FM Breakfast Show with the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson. Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Special shout out this morning to a number of our listeners. Cole Ken in New South Wales listening on 88.0. Uh, what else have we got here? We have Lakes Entrance in Victoria on 87.6 and Armadale in Western Australia also on 87.6. If you're listening for one of those stations, we'd love to hear from you this morning. Let us know you're there. This morning, let me mm-hmm. ask Lawson the question. What are you thankful for? Lyle, mm-hmm. I, oh, man. I, I you know, there's, there's lots of good things. In, in my, I, I, there are lots of good things in my life. A lot of them are being overshadowed by right, right now by the, by the fact that I played basketball yesterday and I rolled my ankle again and now it's sore and I'm just keep I'm in this like <laughs> I love your loop. Pain so my 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 ankle. I rolled it like a month ago and now it's just so weak and I just yeah. keep rolling it. I need help. Okay. okay um, so what you need to do, yeah. is back off basketball no, for about Lyle. three months and no. let it heal. No, let it heal. Go ride your motorbike instead. <laughs> is your motorbike even running right now? Like it's there. Like it's there. Yeah. It's there. I have more than one motorbike. I put, I put the engine in my ute yesterday. I've been oh, building yeah? the engine for my ute. Uh-huh. Put it in yesterday. Yeah, it is still a lot, lot of work to do. Is it running? No. It's got oh, a long way to go. Yet, but it's, it's in. It's, it's in. There. I got the bonnet back on. I got oh, the bonnet back on. That's amazing. My ute hasn't had a bonnet for two months. So, mm. yeah, pretty excited about that. Epic. And, uh, She'll produce, she'll give me a hand. So she's just an amazing mechanic. So if you ever need a hand, let- you're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We're going to have a quick question for our quiz. Lawson's going to bring it to us. We have, well, this is the last day. This is your last chance today to get your name in the running for one of the most popular prize. If I think the most popular prize we've ever offered, ever. Snakes and shipwrecks. Here we go. So it's just coming up on my screen right now, the quiz questions. Here we go. Apart from apostle, what was the occupation of Paul? So Paul, he was an apostle, and then he did something else. He did. If you know what that thing is, 0491. Well, he actually had a couple of different occupations. He did, but mm. I'll, I'll, I'll clarify it and I'll say three. I'll say his occupation, his other occupation at the time, he was an apostle, right? Which makes it a little bit more clear. So his trade, yeah. Zero four nine one zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call if you know the answer to that one. And our Prize for this week, as we've been saying, Snake Bites and Shipwrecks, the game, the board game, all about actually Paul and what he was doing with his life and how he was getting around in his missionary journeys and whatnot. Like, if you want to play, if you want to, it's basically a tile building game and you like put down tiles and you expand the map and, and roll and whatnot. 0491 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. Again, apart from Apostle, what was Paul's? Other occupation. Okay. If you know the answer, give us a call right now. Let's have some positively different news, Lawson. Positive news. This is actually a news story that was sent to me by a listener. A listener okay. was like, hey, I've got some. I've got a news, news story from a listener this morning as oh, well. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Well, well, shout out Jeff. He sent this through to me. And it's basically an initiative in New Zealand to solve the problem of waste. 
not not human waste, but just like wait, you know, the tip. Okay, like yeah, yep. it's like okay, yeah, it's you know, base. It's a it's an epic story, just basically landfill. about to solve the problem of landfill. That's right, solving landfill the problem waste. of landfill by you know gleaning things out of the things that people throw away to be resold, which is yes. pretty straightforward and simple concept. Now, the thing that I particularly like about this is their business model, because they've they've repurposed all this stuff and then they've created these types of op shops that you can go into and buy stuff that they've gleaned and also it operates as a, you know tip shop also operates as kind of an op shop as well you can donate stuff there too now the epic thing about this is that everything there is free yeah everything everything there are no yes. prices the only thing you pay for is a five dollar entry fee yes to cover the costs and then you can take as much as you like. See, this is the thing that frustrates me. When I was a kid, we would go to the tip like going to Bunnings. Mm. It was just like a big Bunnings. Mm. And you'd go and you'd sort through it all and, you know, all of the foundations for our house that we built at that particular time all came out of, you know, the Glen Hewen tip in Tasmania. Amazing. We would, we would make regular trips up there. We would take the Oxy set with us uh. so that we could cut things up. <laughs> And take them home and build things out of them, and uh, it was just epically amazing. It was, it was the ultimate in recycling right there. Mm. And since then, we've gone. Oh no, you can't possibly ever take anything out of the tip. We made all these laws that you can't take anything out of the tip. It all has to go into landfill. What a what an environmental disaster that is. And but- all of my bikes when I was a kid, <laughs> they all came out of the tip. We'd go and get ten bikes from the tip. We'd we'd hodgepodge them together. We had some epic ones that would have a tiny back wheel and a huge front wheel and a tiny front wheel and a huge... That's You amazing. know, all this kind of, It was just so much fun. That's amazing. And random handlebars. It was educational. We learned about engineering. We learned about mechanical skills. All of the skills that we learned from the tip was just... It was just absolutely epic. Mm. Now, the interesting thing is, like, in Australia, we've got no shortage of land in which we couldn't build a tip. You know, we've got plenty of unused land. But in New Zealand, you are dealing with that. You've got all this amazing, incredible, awesome land where people live and it's a much smaller place. But, uh, you know, even though the, the population density is very high there either because, you know, it's New Zealand. Yes. But at the same time, they're like, yeah, we don't want tips. We don't, like, we don't want to use our beautiful, amazing, picturesque, land just to build tips so what are we going to do just repurpose everything that's right just sell it and yes there's always going to be landfill because there's always going to be stuff that you can't use there's always going to be milk cartons and bottles and things that have run there used by date and it's like oh where do you put them and well you know probably not in the great pacific garbage patch probably not in your rivers and streams and so you've got to find some kind of way probably also don't burn them too because that's that's bad so you've got to find some kind of way to deal with them but it's like hey so much of get what gets thrown out can be repurposed yes and that's exactly what they're doing here but i just love their business this is like every op shop should do this five dollar entry fee the rest is yours imagine how many people would come in everything there was donated to you don't buy anything like as an op shop Mm mm-hmm like just five dollar inch. So I would just be out. so motivated to go. I'd, 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 I'd be going there on a regular basis when I've got projects happening. 
you know, buy a piece of steel, buy a piece of... I mean, how often do you need that random small piece of steel and you don't want to go down to the local steel merchant because you're going to be charged for a metre. Mm. And you might need 200 millimetres. Mm. Go to the tip shop. You come so back with good. Come back with three metres of the stuff, cut a piece off the end of it, and put the rest in your own steel pile for next time. Now, an op shop could be worried, like, oh, what if, you know, people exploit us? I don't know. Then just put, like, a weight you know, limit on. Yeah. And then, like, by that weight limit, you just, like, you know, make it generous so that people still feel like they're getting value for money. And then, yeah, live your best life. So good. Yeah. I am, I am like, a huge proponent of this. All right, Lyle. Yes. All right. So, Before oh, you go there. Oh, what were you going to say? Sherry's, Sherry's my hero this morning. She mm. says, enjoying my porridge, thinking, Lyle, yours would have to be good to be the best. Well, Oh, wow. Bless you and Shell. Um, there's no bless Lawson here. Wow. <laughs> okay, okay. Ah, uh, yeah. So if you're enjoying your porridge this morning, and yeah, mine is the best. Mm. Just putting it out there. Okay. Well, I got a question for you. Yes. Have, have you been watching the Commonwealth Games? No. Do you watch? Do you watch? I know you don't like the Olympics. Do you also not like the Commonwealth Games? Uh Commonwealth Games. Well, Olympics is like the peak. You watch the peak. Uh, yeah. Commonwealth Games, I think, is like a nice trial run for a lot of the athletes who yeah. are part of the Commonwealth. Yeah. You know, it's good Amer- practice. Americans can't come. Yep, uh, and it's you know great for like I think Americans, the- Chinese, Russians. The, yeah, you know some of our big competitors can't come. Can't come. The UK can come, and they're a big competitor. I think the good thing about the Commonwealth Games is like for Australia is that we usually put our younger prospects in it. Yes. Like to go compete. So our, you know, particularly I remember watching the, the 2018 games and there was like a, a chick in the swimming, like an Australian girl who was like 16, like finishing year 10 and like studying and then going to the Commonwealth Games and was like placing, and winning, you know, yes. and placing and winning. And, and it's like amazing to give them that trial before they it head is, off to the Olympics. Absolutely. No, it is, it is, it's, a, it's a great opportunity. Now, last weekend they had a trial, you know, to add a new sport to the Commonwealth Games. And that is specifically esports. And I wanted to ask your and the listeners' opinions. Do you guys think that they should add video games to the Commonwealth Games? No, absolutely not. You don't reckon? No. Why? Why not, La? Because this is garbage. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, come on. Have some real skill. The Commonwealth Games should be a place where we encourage young people to go outside and get fresh air and exercise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It shouldn't be a place where we encourage them to become screen addicted. Mm-hmm. You're adding an addiction to the Commonwealth Games. I mean, what other addictions are we going to add? We're going to add uh, pokey addictions? <laughs> the, the pokey, the, like professional poker tournament as a part of the Commonwealth Games? Yeah. Like, I think there's no question that any thing that you can get good at even a video game takes skill and time and effort but it's just like the problem is specifically with esports and video games is that it's so detrimental to health that's right and it's like and feeding, there's so much research feeding a terrible that. addiction yeah. and we do not want to be encouraging people to go down that path yeah so hey i'd love to i'd love to know you know your guys' thoughts uh, the head of the commonwealth games has said oh going forward this will most likely be a sport within the branch of the Commonwealth Games. Like, you know, they had a very successful trial. Lots of people if showed you really up. Want to, if you really want out. to improve the Commonwealth Games, uh-huh. and if you really want to uh, increase the viewership of the Commonwealth Games, mm-hmm. add motorsport. 
Uh, okay. Yeah, let's go. I, I, I'm not in disagreement. Dude, the, the Commonwealth F1 race, that would be yes. insane. The, the Commonwealth motocross race, dude, that, oh, let's go. But hey, give us your thoughts. 0491-064-669. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. That was Anna Beaton right there with Kemi Ogendi with Reply to Ecclesiastes. This is The Breakfast Show. We're about to have more serious news. Before we do, another question for our quiz. Okay, here we go. What was the name of the youngest son of Jacob? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. And if you do, you will go into the draw to win Snake Bites and Shipwrecks, our board game that we are giving away as a part of our draw this week. We're going to be drawing it at around 8.45 today. We've had lots of people get in on the quiz today. And we also want to remind you guys, if you want any terms and conditions in regards to our quiz, you can head to our website, faithfm.com.au. But again, that question was, what was the name of the youngest son of Jacob? 0491-064-669. All right. There's a Gallup poll that has come out. Mm-hmm. Looking at Americans' attitude towards alcohol, mm-hmm. what percentage do you think of Americans would consider alcohol to be negative, negative impact on society? Well, I can only reflect on Australians, and because we're pretty similar to America. Yeah, I know that like there are people who drink who say that it's negative. You know. Yeah. For me, I'm just like, well, just make the decision not to drink. Yeah, exactly. If you don't think it's a positive thing, why do you do it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. But there's so many people that I know who do drink who are like, yeah, but this is really bad for me and I probably should probably stop, you know. Uh, so how, many reckon, how many do you reckon would so, say that it's negative on uh, society? I don't know. I'd, pro- I'd say probably high percentage, maybe over 60%. Really? Yeah. You'd go that high for Australia? No, not Australia. Oh, for America? For the United States. 75%. 75% think it's 75% a negative thing. 75% think it's a negative. I okay. was very surprised at that. Yeah. I was very surprised that that number was so high. Uh, so this is according to a recent Gallup survey. 23% say that it has a positive effect. Oh, wow. So this is kind of a survey based around intelligence. <laughs> That's pretty... You know, it gives you an understanding of the percentage of unintelligent people in the United States. <laughs> I mean, seriously... Who out there thinks that alcohol has a positive effect on society? Yeah. Because it's just pretty obvious. Because this is the thing. It is such a vice for people. Yes. And amongst those people who do drink that I know, who I would consider like pretty smart as well, but then they drink, but then they're like, this is terrible for me. And and you can just see so clearly how much of a vice it is to them. Yes. Uh, but that being said, they're smart enough to say that it's not a good thing. That's right. Absolutely. Even if they do drink, whereas yeah, I'm, I'm I, I do think it is yeah the, that twenty three percent, they're 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 definitely the uninformed, very much so. Yeah, the uninformed and the ignorant. Mm. Uh, anyway, so seventy one percent of Americans say that alcohol has a negative effect on the people. Mm-hmm. So not just on so the first one was on society. Seventy five percent say it has a negative effect on society. Seventy one percent, slightly less, say it has a ne- negative effect on people. Uh, whereas twenty seven percent say it has a positive effect on people. Uh, then you've got the ratios of people that drink. 67% of uh, Americans drink alcohol, you mm. know, on occasion or all the time mm. um, or at any time. 33% uh, 
always abstain. And that was a higher figure than what I was expecting. Having said that, it's the lowest figure since 2010. So mm. in between those, the numbers of non-drinkers have gone higher. Mm. The COVID pandemic has brought alcohol back into the community again. And so those numbers have gone down. But I was actually surprised that there were that many people in America who don't drink. My wife comes from Wisconsin, and Wisconsin is a state that is pretty much just soaked in alcohol. Mm. Uh, So, you know, that's the kind of image I often get of the U.S. But what we've got to understand, of course, is that the majority of humans around the world never drink, ever. Wow. Yes which is very different from what you would expect when you watch anything in the media. Mm. Uh, anything on, anything that Hollywood pr- produces is always based around alcohol. Mm. And the question that comes to my mind is this. When are we going to wake up and when are we going to realise just how toxic a substance this is and how much death and disease and cancer and everything else it is causing and so we can send alcohol down the same route that we'd sent smoking? Mm. When was the last time you saw a recent... Production on TV, movie, whatever it might be, that is either dealing with the present time or a future time where people are smoking. You know, if you see a movie mm. that, is, that, that is that is set in the 1940s, you're going to see people smoking. Mm. But you see a movie that's set in 2022 or further into the future, nobody's smoking. Yeah, of oh, a very like yeah. minimal or just amount. like the really sort of dodgy characters. Yeah, that's right. You know, the full bogans, whatever. Yeah, b- the bogans. Yeah, the American bogans. The rednecks. <laughs> you know, and, and so this is the path that alcohol needs to go down. Mm. And we need to actually start pushing it from that perspective. I just got a text from my friend from the United States who uh, is listening yes. to the show right now. Yes. Shout out Jose all the, way in, all, all the way in Arkansas. He said, Americans will say it's negative, but that it's fun. And so they'll yeah. do it. Yeah. Which is yeah, so that's, American. That's, that's exactly what that is. Exactly <laughs> what the uh, research is bringing out right here. Okay, so Bible reading. Let's talk about Bible reading uh, amongst uh, young readers. Mm. So we're talking people who are in the sort of eighteen to mid twenties um, range. That mm. that particular demographic graphic. And new research has come out to show that those who are Bible engaged are far less stressed than those who are not. Totally. Now, this is in a in an era when researchers have noted that Generation Z, Gen Z, the, the, the generation that is younger than you, mm. is the most stressed generation that has ever existed. Mm. Um, so this is those between, born between 97 and 2012. I'm, I'm, a, I'm 98. So I'm a it kind of fit in there. I'm, don't a, you? I'm a like a crossover. I'm, I'm a crossover, yeah. A millennial. Yeah. So it's like I'm it's on the tail end of the millennials, and I'm on I'm the earliest Gen Zs. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so and I'm so stressed, Lyle. Members of Gen I have Z to walk in here and look at you every day and just pull my hair out. Sorry, uh, continue with your research. What were you saying? <clears throat> this is why I exist. Yeah, <laughs> stress loss. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Gen Z scores about a 14.9 on the stress level. Oh, wow. Uh, compared to millennials who score about a 12 and boomers who score about a 6.6. Yeah, well, boomers already have houses, so. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a very significant point right there. Okay, so uh, Gen Zers are the most stressed, but 
uh, amongst Bible readers, that number drops dramatically. And this 100%. is the fairly, and this is regardless of whether they are Bible believers or not. Now, mm. obviously, most people who read the Bible are Bible believers. believers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's a fairly, it, it should be a fairly uh, obvious statistic. What's interesting about this is that they have looked at one of the at, at the reasons why Gen Z is so stressed, mm. why they are living under so much pressure, and what it comes down to is social media. Mm. And, uh, of course, you know, COVID uh, has had an impact on that. And so what you've got is you've got previous generations that lived through World War One, World War Two. You know, these are massive global events that impacted every person on the planet. You know, we complain about fuel prices, mm. but during those events you had fuel rationing. Mm. And fuel was, you know, you couldn't even buy tyres for your car. Yeah, well. People were driving around on slicks with pieces of wire hanging out of them because you just couldn't buy that kind of stuff. Life was very, very far from normal and so many of the young men were dying as a result of these conflicts and yet social media has created a higher level of level of stress mm. than what these people are going through. So yeah, that's wow. just pretty wild stuff right there. But the key to it is to read the Bible. Amen. It will lower your levels of stress, anxiety and depression. You've got, and it has a greater effect on women than men. Yeah. Not significantly, but it is there. So regardless of whether you are a believer or not, get in there and read your Bible. We talked about the Tavistock Clinic, which was closed in the UK yes. uh, by the legal system for uh, abusing children in that it was transitioning children without medical science to back up what they were doing. They are now being sued by over a 1,000 families mm. whose children have been abused by the Tavistock Clinic and have transitioned those kids without any scientific basis whatsoever at mm. all for what they were doing, purely ideologically based. And so uh, they were, of course, at the time were presented like this is the best scientific approach. They found out that it's not, mm. and there is no research that indicates this. All research indicates otherwise, and so they're being sued by over one Thousand families. Wow. It's going to be a, uh, a a bit of a record case that we're going to see happening in the UK. So uh, they're suing them over prescribing like transitions. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Yep. Absolutely. Because you know they did not have a good outcome. Mm. All right. Let's. Uh- You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And we are going to have another question for the quiz. Eliphaz, 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 the Temanite, was the friend of A, Moses, B, Job, C, Amos, or D, Ezekiel. 0491-064-669. Again, that question was, Eliphaz, the Temanite, was the friend of A, Moses, B, Job, C, Amos, or D, Ezekiel. Let us know. This is the interview right now. Good joining us on the phone this morning is Jesse Herford from Signs of the Times magazine. And, Jesse, we normally have Jared on here as the editor. I guess you must be one of Jared's minions, is that right? Associate editor at Signs of the Times? That's right. I, uh, I do everything Jared doesn't want to do and uh, a little bit of other stuff in between. But, uh, you yeah, know, great to work with him and uh, great to be 
on the line with you guys this morning. So occasionally Jared lets you have a little bit of fun and just the rest of the time is hard work. Is that how it goes? Or That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, there's, there's ratios we've got to abide by here, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Jared's not feeling that well this morning, so we wish him all the best as he recovers. And that means that we get to talk to Jesse, Associate Editor of Signs of the Times magazine. What's coming up in our next edition of Signs? Right. So August edition of Science is really, really exciting for us. It's sort of the big uh, issue of the year. Obviously, we're very proud of all of our issues, but August in particular is the issue that we get the most copies of. So we're really excited about some of the stories. In particular, the main story that we're excited about is a, a testimony by a fellow by the name of Greg Finance. Now, we had a story last issue, July, from Benita, Greg's now wife, and they've both got really fascinating stories about really about God finding them in, in the worst of situations. And, and Greg's story is exactly like that. An aspiring BMX writer who suffered multiple injuries, sunk into depression, alcohol, drug abuse, and really was consigned to the fact that he, he was going to die. But miraculously God rescued and now he's a church minister really miraculous story uh, really inspiring for us yeah that's pretty wild I mean how severe were his injuries did this guy end up in a wheelchair or just never going to be able to race again yeah so he suffered pretty serious epilepsy and he ended up in hospital multiple times doctors telling him you know if you don't stop drinking if you don't stop taking drugs if you don't stop pushing your body you will die and he ended up getting tattoos all over his body um, of skulls and just sort of death imagery because in his mind, he believed that he was going to be buried in nothing but himself, his skin and his tattoos. And so he wanted to have death written all over him. So this is the sort of crazy direction that his life was going in. He was completely resigned to the fact that if he couldn't do what he wanted to do, well, he may as well drink and do drugs and eventually end his life. So <laughs> that's the depth that we're really talking about here. Yeah, I mean, that's a mind that is very contaminated and gone into a very dark place. I mean, as far as when you get to that kind of thinking and you're starting to paint yourself with that kind of imagery, this is a very, very dark place indeed. Yet this guy's now a minister, did you say? Yeah, that's right. He's serving at his local church in Grafton in New South Wales. The miraculous story is not so much, I guess, the moment of his turnaround was but was the way that God used people in his in his life to turn his life around, I suppose. There was a minister that really impacted him in a meaningful way through friendship, not through uh, preaching or through like trying to convince him about, you know, his life was in a bad place and he needs to turn around, but really just by befriending him. And through this really authentic, genuine relationship that this minister had with Greg, the Holy Spirit just really broke down his walls and eventually broke through to him and radically transformed his life in a way that you just wouldn't have expected. So really powerful testimony of what you and I can do just by being a friend, seriously. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really powerful right there that sometimes we think we've got to persuade someone that it is theologically wrong to be taking drugs. But, you know, the average drug addicted person already knows that that's wrong. They don't actually need to be convinced of that and that's been my experience in ministry and we just need to be their friends and lead them to christ because when the trajectory of their life changes and direction changes in, in the direction of christ then uh, 
the next step that they're going to take is to like, okay, how do I get rid of the drugs? How do I get rid of this out of my life? Because they already know it's wrong. Yeah, 100%. Fantastic. Great story right there. Now, you did mention at the beginning of the interview that August is your biggest edition. You print more of the August magazine than anything else, any other month. Why is that? Are people just more reading more in August or is there a particular emphasis that you guys have at that time of year? What's what's going on there? Yeah, August is Science Month and uh, there are various things that we do from year to year to promote Science Month. You could say it's one of those things that's in our calendar that, uh, that we always come back to just to kind of emphasize what science does and it just happens in this month. This is what we're doing. We're pushing out lots of different issues, lots of copies. It's going all across Australia and New Zealand. And the way that Science Month looks from year to year might be a little bit different. But yeah, this year we've really tried to to make an emphasis on the power of stories. And so many of our other articles, not just Greg's, really focus on the power of of stories. Mm. Okay, so what else is happening in the Science Magazine for August? You talk about the power of stories. You've got some more stories in that magazine, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the stories that we're running is by a, uh, a local pastor in Taranaki in New Zealand, and he talks about a, a man that he's working with and who is also a drug addict. It's just sort of coincidental that that sort of happened, but it was a happy coincidence nonetheless. And uh, he talks about how really the antidote to addiction sometimes is not a drug, sometimes not even rehab, even though those things can help but rather it's connection. And he talks about a man that isn't free from addiction, but somebody that he's been journeying with in his pastoral ministry who has come from a really dark place, has some really traumatic things happen to him in his life, but has found some freedom and has found some relief from his addiction through a genuine connection. So that's one of the stories that we're running. The other story that kind of goes along with that is by uh, Adriel Carrasco, who is also in New Zealand. She works with, with Health in New Zealand, and she talks about depression and some of the struggles from a Pacifica and Māori perspective. Now, there are a lot of Pacifica communities all across Australia and New Zealand, and it's not something that often gets talked about because, as she says in her article, a lot of the times people just meet Pacifica people and they have a a cheery outlook and a friendly sort of outgoing nature, but there's some really dark stuff that goes on behind closed doors, as is the case in many of our families. And the way that we deal with that and the way that we relate to people in specific communities that struggle with depression and some of the, these really serious issues is quite different to what you might expect. Does she talk about the differences that, and I'm wondering whether there are differences or, or maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I'm just curious, is the differences between the Melanesian population as compared to the Polynesian population? Because they're really the two big people groups that we have amongst our Pacific Islander populations in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. She doesn't talk about it so much because she is coming from a Maori Pacific perspective, but in talking with her, um, for the article, there are some definite things that are, I guess, comparable. The emphasis on family is huge, as well as the emphasis for many Melanesian people and Polynesian people on their religious identity. Um, and a lot of the time that gets really pushed to the forefront. And some of the self-care things that we need to do to make sure that we're okay, sometimes that gets pushed away. And so I think that there are some definite correlations there for those different people groups who experience some of the same stresses 
in their life, and that, and that can be really serious if they're not addressed. Yeah, I mean, we've recently seen, you know, with the Manly Seven and so forth, the stress that can be caused with the religious identity of some of these players, and they're just like, no, we're not going to go down this particular path. And it uh, is quite different from what you're going to find amongst your average Aussie football player or yeah. even person in the community. I think I, a lot of people don't actually understand that whole Pacifica perspective. I Yeah, 100%. And, you know, coming from a um, Palangi sort of Pakiha perspective myself, we're westernised. We place this I, sort of emphasis on me, the individual, whereas people in Pacifica cultures still think of themselves primarily as a part of a community. And that community can have visible or invisible effects. And regardless of whether those influences are visible or invisible, they are nonetheless powerful influences. Yes, I find it fascinating whenever I go to a Pacific Islander church, you get these kids that are running everywhere and you kind of think, oh, where are their parents? And then it's like, well, everyone is their parents. <laughs> because, they've got this, you know, because it's their village. Yeah. Their, their community yeah. is their village and that's the culture that they have and everybody's a part of the village, everybody's a part of the community, which is so incredibly different. I mean, within our white Australian society, if you discipline somebody else's kids at church, then you're going to be in all kinds of trouble. But Oh, you, no, no. <laughs> you go to a Pacific <laughs> Islander church and it's like, well, those kids belong to everybody because they're yeah. a part of the community. 100%. Yeah, and of course that comes with its own real strengths to that because, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. There are some weaknesses to it as well. So it's interesting to have that particular perspective. I think it's very relevant for us here in Australia and New Zealand because we have such a large Pacifica uh, population and those of us who are not uh, interacting with all the time. So, yeah, really interesting. So you've kind of got, you've kind of got three articles in a row there that amongst other things, have depression as a theme and obviously looking at solutions for depression. Yeah, Lyle, I think it's interesting. It's not just this issue. It's actually many of the other issues that we've been working on recently have had this theme come through. And it seems to me that this is something that we as a society, we as a culture are starting to feel a bit more comfortable in talking about. Maybe it's kind of like we've pushed it down as a society so long that now it's all just coming out at the same time. But personally, I've noticed for the authors that we've been working with, more and more want to talk about depression, more want to talk about anxiety. You know, we have one coming out in a month or two about the perspective of a survivor of suicide. So it seems to be that, yes, physical health is, you know, something that we we want to make sure that we talk about. People are still eating healthy, they're still getting their exercise, but let's not neglect the mental, spiritual side of things. I think that we're starting to realize, oh, hang, we need to actually talk about this more. Mm, absolutely. No, I think it's very good and really important. Do you have any articles there that are not dealing with this, uh, with, with the theme of depression? <laughs> yes, we do. Um, so we, we've got a bunch. There are, there's one really interesting one that Jared actually wrote up and it's called There Is No Hell. And that's a pretty bold statement for those of us in the Christian community. Provocative. Yes, very. Um, so this is a statement that some people might kind of want to step back from a little bit. But really, from our perspective, our traditions um, sort of perspective, it's, uh, I guess, a treatise on the idea of, well, if grandma has passed away recently or you've lost a loved one, are they in heaven? Are they in hell? Or is that whole binary idea really kind of not a very good one? And uh, is there an alternative to consider? And so that's what we explore. That's what Jared explores in that article about considering the idea of 
the fact that maybe grandma isn't in heaven, isn't in hell, but maybe there's somewhere in between, there's a place of rest that she's in. And that actually we can think about death and the afterlife, not just in terms of either living in peace and bliss forever in a cloud with a harp or burning alive forever in a place of complete anguish and torment. Uh, we don't think that's a very healthy binary to mm. think about. And so we wanted to challenge that idea and sort of see if there's a biblical way that we can think about something that doesn't have to fall into one of the two. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. Jesse, very quickly before we finish off, because we are, we've run out of time, how do we interact with uh, Signs of the Times magazine? Yeah, absolutely. So the best way to um, get the magazine is to go to signsofthetimes.org.au. Um, you can subscribe there digitally or get a physical. Um, you can always find us on our social media pages on Facebook or Twitter. Um, just search Signs Mag and uh, you'll be able to find all the links there that you need. That's Jesse Herford from Signs of the Times magazine. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.